there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there, and welcome to the final episode of the 1% Better Podcast Season 2. I left a deliberate pause there just in case you thought I was giving up on this. No chance, but uh, Season 2 is coming to a natural end. I'm not even sure what constitutes a season in the podcasting world. I probably adopted it just to fit in and sound important or uh, accomplished. I'm not sure. But but for me, it's basically an end of 10, 10 months releasing episodes. I think it started middle of March. It's nearly the end of January. And uh, I'm just going to take a few weeks off from releasing on a schedule but certainly not from recording, and I'll get to that in a minute. So before we get into some of the stuff for uh, this week, last week's episode was episode 94 with Doug Buckingham. Have you checked it out? Are you interested in figuring out if you have had a past life and if it's blocking you from flourishing in your current life, maybe? Um, It's certainly a useful listen if that's something you're interested in any feedback from it if you have listened i would uh, like to know doug is a interesting character as i probably said a few times and well worth listening into he's online as well he's on facebook he's on twitter he does a lot of seminars and conferences in the whole area of past life regression and hypnosis and crystal bowl therapy and and other interesting modalities so check it out all right so this is episode 45 of the one percent better show podcast part two season two and uh, i also did 16 episodes i think of the 864 this year a lot has been put out over the last nine months and it's been a fascinating journey i, I do say the word fascinating probably too much i've learned that myself over the last while and and it's true though i have learned a lot uh, i've talked to so many interesting people that I didn't know in many cases before putting the the show out and connecting through the various social platforms to then learn about their own stories and lessons they've picked up along the way and and shared during the podcast. And then there's obviously a number of guests that I targeted and and went after. And uh, certainly without the podcast as um, a, a way in, I wouldn't have been able to talk to these folks. Sometimes they just would think it's a random crazy person sending them an email and at least with the podcast it helps uh, me share their message and learn myself as well as hopefully you guys learning something from these conversations with experts in these many different areas and season three my goal uh, is to make it bigger and better one percent better for sure maybe even more and just try some new things out Uh, ideas that i'm bringing up to myself and bouncing off others is within the season having kind of mini seasons or mini series going on around a few different topics and trying to line up guests that would match up to that approach so that should be good like every episode i will do a value check before i put it out uh, so far so good most of the i'd say 99 of my episodes i've released for me it's all about value that i get out of it value that i'm confident you will get out of it and something that's worth sharing not just for the sake of content to get more likes and comments and followers that is not 
the game I'm playing. Maybe not everybody in that, that perspective, but so it's all about making sure there's value and post for value, not for likes, is a, a mantra I've been saying to myself for a long time not sure where i heard it but uh, that is my approach what i'd love to add to the season coming is some new questions some new approaches some new asks to the guests to see if we can get under the hood a little bit more uh, this week's one minute monday i put out uh, on monday asked that to you guys is there questions or are there questions that i could ask to guests that you would like to have if you were in a position of asking them and so far i've got about 10 15 questions back from a few folks and some of them are really good i definitely will look to include those in future interviews so keep those coming um you can email me at rob at rob of the com or or dot ie will work as well or any any of the socials would be cool to to hear what questions you might have in mind so so that's what's shaping up there no confirmed date as of yet as to when i'll um, launch season three and I, I probably will put all episodes that i record over the next few weeks up on maybe patreon um, unedited versions and then as i roll them out week after week you will get the more tailored version for free so if you are interested in signing up to the patreon site um where we will where i will have content there before it all comes out and probably in more detailed format Go to patreon.com rob of the green you can subscribe there uh, make a small donation to help expand this podcast to next level stuff one of the things i would love is to have somebody to uh to do the editing because that is although interesting and enjoyable it takes time and if i could get that off my plate that would be awesome but for now it's all about continuing on doing the interviews editing and releasing the best episodes as possible and i have to say some of the episodes i've already recorded i'm excited about um it's going to take a bit of time before i get them out but that's okay good things come to those who wait as i actually say in this week's episode okay on to this week's episode it is with joseph mcguire and he is a face reading expert with over 30 years experience in this realm in this world last year he released his first book called face facts great title by the way and he has been gaining great feedback over the last number of months on the book and on the the lessons that come out of it um it gives you an insight into how one can read another person's face using empirical data as opposed to just random intuition so i've put a number of questions to joseph that i was very keen on understanding a bit more about how he reads faces how he got into this world of face reading face diagnostics and really how much information there is there which sounds like there's an overwhelming amount but he's able to to deal with that through uh, methods like meditation that that we talk about and joseph has been kind enough to give one lucky listener free copy hardback copy of his book face facts now how can you get in the draw for this basically if you're already subscribed to my newsletter you're in the draw but if you're not and you would like a copy of the book and to be in with a chance to win that subscribe to the newsletter there's a link in the show notes there's a link on my website drop me an email and i can send you the link so yeah if you could do that that'd be great the draw will take place Friday week, the 1st of February, from when I release this episode. 
and I'll put that into the newsletter. If you have the newsletter already, you can forward it to somebody. They can sign up. That would be awesome. So Joseph McGuire, Clearsight Communications is his website, clearsightcommunications.com. Fascinating guy. Really hope you enjoy the listen. And again, thanks so much for staying with me over the last season, maybe even the season before, 95 episodes already i wonder how many of you have listened to them all what you've taken out of it as always get in touch and i'm looking forward to doing a proper season three launch uh this year i'm excited about i did one live show last year i'd love to do some more if uh you're interested in and you have a a place where i could do that in cork or or wherever let me know any guests that you have in mind that i could talk with let me know that as well sign up to the newsletter keep in touch over the next few weeks probably some random stuff will come out in advance of season three but there we go i'm nearly up to 10 minutes of an intro that's probably a record for the season hope it's not much of a ramble i think there's some good stuff in there and there's really some good stuff in this conversation with joseph mcguire so enjoy and good luck Hey folks, this one is one that I've been looking forward to doing for a while. Um, I know myself and my guest talked in probably the middle of last year and we're teeing it up, but good things come to those who wait, I suppose. And uh, I'm delighted to introduce Joseph Maguire of Clearsight Communications. Joseph, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Rob. Great to be talking to you of a, of a Monday morning. I would normally get the opportunity to record a podcast on a Monday morning with other commitments, but... Um, it's good to to be able to squeeze this in uh, this this week. So, so Joseph, really looking forward to talking about your career and I suppose a a key moment in that happened last year when you released a book, Face Facts. Uh, definitely want to talk a bit about that. Um, I'm going to you know get a free face reading in some ways as well, which is always good. And uh, we want to hear a lot about um, your experiences and certainly talk a bit about the book. Pleasure, yeah. You just fire the questions at me and we'll go from there, Rob. I will. I have some here, but I always like to kind of make them up on the fly as well. So be be ready for tangents. I think that's important. Yep. Um, so I've read the book. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I suppose I, I would consider myself very interested in, in human performance and just people watching in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. So I was fascinated by the uh, some of the insights from it. I, I consider myself a casual student, but this definitely helped me. But obviously, you're more than a casual student. Maybe talk to me about where this deep fascination to, to turn it into a profession of studying the face came from. Right. I guess uh, amongst my earliest memories are sitting on the floor in my parents' home as a very small child and probably before I could even speak. And knowing that on some level, I knew a lot about the adults around me, particularly the men, the stuff that wasn't being spoken about. And I'm not talking about intimate stuff, but just about yeah. personality and character and stuff like that. And I was introduced to sport as a very, at a very early age. My father was a football fan, brought me to matches, etc. And I knew from, from watching games that I could pick up a lot of what people were going to do, who was committed, who wasn't, all sorts of stuff to do it again, the non, the non-verbal world. Hmm. And then, Many years later, I lived in London and I studied um, I studied something initially uh, called Shiatsu, right. um, which is a branch of oriental medicine. And I was introduced to um, facial diagnosis as part of my training. And the oriental understanding is that mind and body are one inseparable unit. And so uh, while they talked, while I was taught initially about the 
each part of the face relating to um, a, a, a main organ or body system in terms of diagnosis. Again, because the orient because of the oriental perspective, they talked about each area then relating to different aspects of our personality, behavior, emotions. Uh, type of intelligence, how we use, how we thought, how we processed, how we engaged. And I just became more and more fascinated with this. It was like just light bulbs going off everywhere. So um, I was also working then with one of my teachers in his health food store. So um, I was studying like three, four nights a week and a lot of weekends. And then as soon as somebody would come into the store, he would ask, okay, what's his condition? What's our condition? Right. So it was full on. And I just, um, I just became... Yeah, I mean, what can I say? It was exhilarating. It was fascinating. It was intriguing. Mm. And um, then after four, four and a half years of living and studying in London, I moved to Hamburg to work in a, a centre, which was a smaller version of the place where I'd studied in London. Right. And it was, uh, I was going to practice and teach Shiatsu there, and it made sense to include teaching facial diagnosis. So um, I just brought more and more of the, the non-diagnostic stuff into it, if you like, the personality, behavior, and how our emotions and personal history, etc., are revealed in our face. So um, it just, yeah, it just kind of, it just grabbed me so so deeply that I, I it was, it was irresistible, really. Mm. It sounds like it. I'm kind of picking up on you know that passion and being grabbed by something so fascinating, and it really draws you in. You know, I suppose when you when you notice that yourself, you wonder why does everybody else not have that mm -hmm. same level of fascination? But I suppose that's a good thing that they they don't. Uh, you know, everybody of is course. passionate about yeah. different different things. When I was reading your book, you talk about a face reading being like three thousand years old, um, yeah. or the origins of, of it, and very mm -hmm. much from from the east. And I think what we're going through in the west a lot more over the last few years is this focusing on some of these eastern practices and skills what why do you think we're moving or embracing that so much more nowadays than maybe we've in the past oh, i love the easy questions so early in the morning rob <laughs> well, you, you told me not to give you the questions in advance so there you go um i guess without going too deeply into it, we were kind of moving away from the old um, Newtonian Cartesian model of looking at the world as something mechanical. And we're, I guess we're, we're I mean, we've, we're aware that so many of the, I guess, the tr traditional societal structures have been breaking down, where there's politics, business, etc., religion, etc. Mm. We've been, there's been a growing dissatisfaction for, for, I guess, a multitude of reasons. And, um, I think because the so many of the Eastern philosophies, um, like Taoism, for example, which is what is probably closest to my heart, and, and Buddhism in, in its various forms, have been relatively unbroken traditions and have had, if you like, solid um, practical life foundations to them. Um, people are looking there. Um, and then you, you can get into things like yoga, tai chi, etc., which are also from the from the east. And they're they're very much about they're very much about grounding, about settling, settling, uh, centering. Centering is probably a better word. Hmm. Um, engaging body and mind together, where we've had over the last probably two three hundred years more of a, um, a fragmentation. Uh, uh, of body and mind, body, mind, and spirit in many ways, and where we're, I guess people are more looking for 
ways to integrate all of that into into practical daily life. Now that's that's a very uh, very vague general answer, mm. but it's probably the best I can come up with early in the morning. No, no, that that's fine, and I think it, it makes sense. You know, I suppose my own curiosity in that area of meditation and and yoga. You know, you're kind of scratching the surface, and you start. Yeah feeling yourself wow this there's something to this as long as you commit a bit to it and yeah. and practice it and it it changes your perspective absolutely you also mentioned in the book some influencers on your career tony buzan is one um i've read a bit about i've read tony's stuff uh he, he's i interviewed a guy last year who was one of the world champion memory um okay world memory champions and tony buzan has a has a background in that as well. What did you take from him? Maybe talk a bit about that. Okay, my in fairness, my uh, connection with Tony was relatively peripheral. I basically spent an afternoon and an evening with him. Okay. Um, but he was a fascinating man. He was a man, when I met him, he was probably early 70s thereabouts, probably 73, 74. And I guess he had such a he had such a sense an energy an energy about him such a vitality about him such a fascination with life hmm. um the 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 particular event where i met him he was he, he was supposed to speak for i think 10 minutes he was still speaking fluently and with great animation and passion and really holding the audience like an hour or 15 minutes later hmm. um and his his way of looking at life his way of expressing his interest in life, his way of asking questions fascinated me. Um, obviously, uh, I got the, the, I came up with the name Clearsight Communications through an exercise in mind mapping, okay. uh, which is, which is something Tony originated. Mm. Um, but it was, it was, so my, my immediate thing is the name, the name Clearsight and just from the exercise of mind mapping, which is a fascinating, um, fascinating tool mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and uh, using it using it is using is, is a way to draw on one's imagination to draw out the creativity to draw out some of the deeper ideas and flesh them then to flesh them out and play with them um, but it was it was ultimately his his passion his passion for life i guess and his passion for communication his passion for for using the imagination that was what really resonated that's i, I don't mention all that in the book mm. but that's really what particularly influenced me as much as the mind mapping itself okay when you were putting together the book yourself did you use mind mapping to help put that structure together i did to i did to some extent because uh, i think anybody who writes a book will tell you that there are times when they get stuck mm -hmm. and even and, and my probably my greatest challenge was that I had so much information that if I tried to write down everything I know and everything that I've experienced, everything that's in my head, the book would never have got written. It, like it's, it's deliberately a very short, succinct book because mm -hmm. I want it to be practical. Um, I want it to be a book that people can carry with them and they can actually use. Um, so the, the mind mapping helped me to eliminate um, a lot of, a lot of the, the stuff that I decided wasn't, was relevant, but not necessarily the most relevant bits for for the book in terms of what I wanted to communicate now. Yeah. Okay. Very good because it is it's it's very tightly written, um, and there's a challenge I find even writing blog posts and whatnot. I can do thousands of words and potentially, you know, there's a lot of super superfluous superfluous information in there that uh, I need to get more succinct on. So so well well done on keeping it so tight. Was that the first first book you've pretty much put together? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've had people um, prodding and poking at me for 
I don't know how many years to write a book. But um, so it's been a, a long, long time in gestation. It's kind of like an elephant, I suppose, in so many ways. Mm. They, they tend to have long pregnancies. But uh, so this was <laughs> this was a long time in the works. OK, very good. So the word facts, I'm fascinated around that, that as well. I'm actually reading a book at the moment, uh, Stephen Hawking, um, about big questions, big answers just started. Mm about three o'clock this morning, I think I started re- reading it. Um, and they talk about, you know, is there a God and, you know, disputing the r- laws of the universe and, mm-hmm. you know, the laws can't be broken um, or maybe God yeah. could break them or whatever. And and I guess trying to map facts to laws, like the, the face, is there, it's factual, some of the analysis you can do by looking at parts of the face, how, you know, if somebody queried or kind of, challenge you is it fact or not what would you say to that yeah i love those kind of questions and i love meeting skeptics um cynics not so much but skeptics yes um because you can have a lot of fun with skeptics um yeah it's it's um i guess it's a it's an empirical it's an empirical skill it's an empirical art it's an empirical tradition Mm. um the traditionally if you like in uh, the Going back to an earlier question, the the Oriental practices, mm-hmm. the older ones, are very much intuitive rather than intellectual. Yeah. So if you're asking me, um, has it been proven in a in a laboratory type situation? Not that I'm aware of. Um, it's been it's the it's based on repeated observation over the last three thousand years. Like the documentation goes back that far. So for me, when I meet a skeptic, what I tend to do is I ask them to take out their phone show me a photo on their phone of somebody that they know well that I couldn't possibly know and ask me to to tell them about the person. Right. So I can either demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about or I don't. Okay. So it kind of puts me on the spot right. and then they'll agree or they, or they, or they disagree. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm quite happy. I'm quite confident that because I've been I've been teaching this stuff myself over 30, 30 plus years, that um, there is there's there's great um, there's great a very solid basis to it, and it's very, it's very accurate, um, and it's a it's a very a very practical, uh, very powerful tool to use for communication in, in so many areas. Mm, okay, very good. Um, when you were starting out and you were starting to find maybe mini breakthroughs or along your journey of doing it do you remember any standout client or any standout moment when you said wow i'm actually i'm really beginning to to get the hang of this or or, or nail this or was there like was there a breakthrough or was it very incremental i'd say it was probably incremental um although there's there's probably one standout moment which is actually not um not very not the most positive okay. um, because as I mentioned, I learned it as a diagnostic tool initially and probably the first person on whose face I saw serious illness was my own father. Oh, wow. And I saw, um, I saw a heart condition before it was diagnosed. Oh. Um, and I was a lot younger then, a lot more foolish, still foolish, but a lot more foolish then. And I, 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 I mentioned it. And um, soon, soon after that, the condition was diagnosed, well, but it caused strange ripples in the family okay. um, that for quite some time afterwards, any time I'd, I'd see my mother, um, she would ask, OK, what's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it showed me that I knew there was substance to it, but it wasn't the best way to learn it. OK, 
well, poignant, I guess, um, in, yeah. an interesting one. That just brings up another question for me. I said there'd be tangents. Like if you were, you know, in a in a meeting room and you know you're just looking around the room and you you saw maybe somebody that you felt had a condition or or something. Mm-hmm. How does that sit with you? Do you, do you would you walk over to the person and try and bring that up or or do you just keep those things in? Or, you know, just challenge. Just kind of interesting how, how that might play out. Um, it depends on the situation. Mm. Um, it depends on whether it would be natural to have a conversation with the person. Right. And I certainly wouldn't just launch in and say, "Oh, sure. I think you're, I think you're ill," <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because that would be, I mean, that would be insane. Of course. Uh, never, never mind, never mind, very invasive. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I would look to engage the person in general conversation, okay. and then, um, particularly if it's a meeting group context, I would maybe suggest. Uh, ask if they'd like to meet for meet for a coffee right, right, right. separately yeah. and then see where the conversation goes but um, I guess I learned I worked as a therapist for many years sure. and I guess one thing I did learn is that you can't help anybody unless you have an invitation to help them okay. so there's a very fine line between being invited to help and, and stepping over the line to, to invading their privacy of course so there's an ethical i suppose yeah. code that you would need to follow to there yeah has to be yeah okay no that that's interesting the you mentioned another couple of teachers is it rex lasalle and lillian bridges yeah. lillian bridges yes. yes um rex was my i guess initially my and has been i guess my main shiatsu teacher i no longer practice shiatsu but rex was my main shiatsu teacher rex is a fascinating man in himself he's rex would be early 70s now still working very vigorously around the world um he's a man from trinidad and he grew up with um his parents as it were reading the signs like they would tell from what what the what the crickets were doing or what the grasshoppers were doing if something was wrong with a neighbor like so they were very very in tune with natural rhythms um he then became um he then became an, uh, an officer in the British Army. Or in, well, he, he, was, he was trained in Sandhurst, Military Academy at Sandhurst, and then became an officer in the, in the army in Trinidad and was, um, was part of a, of a revolt. So he's had a, he's had a fascinating history, but a man, of, a man of huge inner discipline, a man of huge focus, um, and he's certainly, and certainly learned a lot of, the, a lot, a lot of um, I guess, observational pointers from him because um, he came a lot from not just the, the 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 tradition but from his own experience and he's a very observant individual uh, Lillian is um, Lillian is half Chinese her her uh, her maternal side are, are Chinese and she learned literally at her grandmother's knee because her grandmother um, her grandmother um, is full. I'm not sure if she's still alive. That was certainly full Chinese, but advise, was an advisor to the Chinese business community in uh, California. Okay. Um, so Lillian literally learned at her um, at her grandmother's knee, and then went and studied studied the ancient texts. So um, so she's coming directly from that lineage, and again she's um, she's been she's been a massive influence. Uh, in fact, the first time we met. Um, she looked at me and asked me what happened when I was 28 that had a negative influence on my finances. Wow. And uh, the answer, of course, was I got married. <laughs> and she was able to pinpoint the actual age? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because the face represents, um, oh, there's an age map represented on the face as well. So different marks, different lines, etc., in different parts of the face can tell you 
not so much what happened at a time on uh, at a particular time in your life, but um, how deeply something influenced you. And there are particular areas then that will relate to finance, amongst other things. Okay. Well, um, I, I, I like magicians and the like, and Durham Brown and those sort of characters. Mm-hmm. Would would they use this skill in in their own performing performance and acts like the likes of Keith Barry and that? Is that something they would use? I presume they use. I don't know if they're specifically using this tradition, but they're certainly using they're certainly using something along along the lines, um, because they would be. I mean, people don't tend to realise just how much information there is mm. available to us. Um, that's I mean that's where the name Clearsight comes from because it's so much mm. so much information available in Clearsight about the personality before we even open our mouths or move a muscle. Yeah, no, it sounds like. And have you ever had people? Obviously, you've had so many clients from different industries and different walks of life. Help you help them do mm-hmm. do better with with face reading. Has anyone from that world of of magic or magicians or, or hypnosis or that field ever come to kind of? Have you helped them or trained them to to develop that? Not so far, not no. so far. But the door is always open. There you go. Uh, there's there's a magician down in Cork actually, Jared Carney, and I interviewed him last year on the show, and um, he might be somebody that that watches and listens. You ne- you never know. Um, intuition. You touched on it earlier. Something I'm fascinated about. Uh, or, or always have been. I think through coaching and through even interviewing uh, other coaches over the last couple of years, I've got a better understanding of it and maybe my views of what what it is has have changed a little bit how how would you describe intuition and how does it play into the work you do okay um intuition is one of those i guess it's one of those terms that's that's used a lot um uh there's a yeah for me there's a big difference between intuition and a um like a a notion that one gets in one's head. There's a there's a physical there's a physiological feeling that gets that one gets with intuition. That certainly that I get with intuition. There's a state. There's a feeling of um, there's a feeling of absolute peace. There's a feeling of almost timelessness, mm. um, almost stepping out of time when my intuition is working well. Um, you mentioned meditation earlier. I've been I mean I've been involved with meditation. I've been actively meditating for a long long time. 30 plus years at this stage so i've 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 learned i've learned to i guess nurture um cultivate my intuition so when i'm doing this when i'm when i'm practicing this whether it's whether it's in a group context or with an individual mm-hmm. um i've i've learned to go into a if you like a meditative space yeah. and and empty my mind as far as i reasonably can of any any notion of bias mm-hmm. so that i'm just allowing the information to present itself to me i'm not even looking for specific things mm-hmm. as opposed to allowing the information to present itself to me so i'm kind of removing removing myself from the equation um i don't know if that quite answers the question yeah, no. but it's touches on it just on how you actually integrate that into into the practice because you know like you're doing meditation for 30 years i'm probably doing it for for four or five and you know never never be an expert at it it's just i suppose again like anything it it, you can keep incrementally improving the more you do it the more you you build that awareness but the, the area of bias i think a question i had was when when you see somebody and it ties into that book, Thinking Fast and Slow, if you've ever read mm-hmm. that, the kind of Kahneman, system, yeah. system one and system two, you read, you, you look at somebody's face and because you've done it so many times, do you very quickly box that person into this 
category because it's your system one easy lazy part of you to say there you go and how how you resist that i suppose meditation probably helps there well i suppose um one of the things that also helps me there is that I've probably had some of the more productive, I've had, I certainly had some of some very productive relationships with people I initially didn't like. Okay. Um, so that helped me, that helped me wake, wake up to the notion of bias, to the, to, to, to the, um, to the, the, the currency of bias, if you like, mm. um, that I realized that, Hey, I was making snap judgments. And in fact, I was making judgments because really what I'm about is not, is not judgments. It's about observation. Yeah. And really it's about observation that will actually help the people, I'm working with, whether they be groups or individuals. Um, so it's, yeah, again, if, if in terms of a famous face, we'll take the example of Michael O'Leary. I like when I read about, when I read about, you know, interviews with him, etc. I think, oh God, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. Mm. Um, but I started looking at his face, looking at photos of him, looking at multiple photos of him and, th- and, and looking for, what I, what I started looking for was something something that really grabbed my interest. Mm-hmm. And once I started finding uh, that's interesting, it enabled me to step out of the bias thing and, and just get into, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting, that's more interesting, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I just started looking at him as a, I guess... Out of, out of sheer curiosity and as part of part of part of training myself to, mm. to step out of the step out of the bias thing yeah. but also to um to look at the to look at the humanity and to look at the person behind what i saw as the facade i guess mm. of like or dislike sure. um and i guess i guess in his case i realized that he isn't um he wasn't putting anything on in terms of telling people to stop whinging etc that's just how he is and he's a perfect right to be that way it may not be the way I would necessarily want to treat people myself, but I recognize he has a right to be who he is. Right. And once, once I think once, once we allow people that freedom to be who they are and to be true to themselves, it enables us to engage with them much more, much more openly, much more honestly, much more effectively. Right. So he's effectively not putting on a face. He's just, that is his face. He's authentic yeah. in yeah. whatever way he goes about his media work or probably behind the scenes he's just showing up as who he is and you got to respect them for that rather than uh being inauthentic i suppose yeah and obviously in in michael o'leary's case i guess i mean you're dealing with an extreme there to to some degree but mm. uh there is the element of performance we get that i mean yeah. obviously we get that he's he's in the public eye he's learned he's learned to, to adopt a persona yeah. but but in terms of in terms of in terms of his corporate role he doesn't want to hear you whinging yeah, yeah, he wants you to get on with it, but that's also part of that's part of how he grew up himself. Well, that's a, val- a core value, I presume. Yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Have you? I suppose does this work for everybody? Can you read anyone's face? Okay, we're looking at in this tradition. We're looking at particularly Asian and Caucasian and Eurasian features. Yeah. Um, I I I tend not to go near. Um, afro-american or negroid features partly because the tradition uh partly because of the the influence of slavery okay. where so many cultures were broken up and amalgamated that you're getting you're getting so often a mix of uh, a mix of uh ethnicities um and it can it can it can blur the picture um so i i i tend very much to stick to 
as I say, Asian, Eurasian and Caucasian features. Um, I won't say I won't say I, I would never get it wrong. Mm. Um, but by and large, I haven't thus far. Okay. Um, and yes, in 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 most, and I would say, and I'm talking when I say most, I'm talking about ninety five plus percent, if not more. Yeah. Um, you will see a lot of information there that you can you can accurately depict and interpret. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And is there? I suppose exceptions to the rule you're saying the five percent that are hard to do what is it that make them difficult or or is it that you you can read them fine but it doesn't turn out to be accurate yeah I guess you're getting into a deeper area there you're getting into um, you're looking into a different almost a different realm when you're making eye contact with them Um, the psychopaths would probably be easier to read actually than the sociopaths because the sociopaths are not necessarily going to do you harm. You know that they're for their own interest as they perceive it, uh, where a psychopath will, 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 be look, will be looking to do you harm if they can. Um, and you, if, you're, if you're alert, I think you would see the... I know this is going off on one of my that's tangents fine, here, but uh, certainly with psychopaths, if what really... I, I, no, step back. If you, if you, when you're making eye contact with people, and that's the most important thing, really, okay. because the eyes will reveal more than anything else. If you look at somebody, if you make eye contact with somebody and you get a message of coldness from the eyes, coldness or, or anger or a very, or almost a chill, an internal chill or a feeling of real discomfort, you need to pay attention and you need to mind yourself. Right. Uh, you won't. You would certainly get that from a psychopath. You won't necessarily get it from a sociopath, because a sociopath could be utterly charming, and they could see you as helping you as being part of their best interests. Mm. Uh, in which case, they will do that. But a psychopath won't. Right. Um, <laughs> this is almost getting into uh, CSI here. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's my own. That's my own observation on that one. Really. Right. Uh, you then get. You will then get people who are. Um, you will get a small percentage of people who are, shall we say, in altered mental states hmm. where you're better off not not going near this stuff at all. Right. Okay. Very interesting. You know, it really is very interesting. One of the questions I, I had was what part of the face is the one that's most impactful or the, the one that gives away as much as you said it's is the eyes i suppose is yeah. there is there a part that's the most difficult to decipher or, or read um i wouldn't have said so but the eyes are the the eyes are the standard part you know the, the old saying that the eyes are the windows to the soul yeah and whether one believes in a soul or not the eyes are most revealing in terms of where people have come from emotionally where they are, where they're likely to go, because there's an old saying that you, if you don't change direction, you'll end up where you're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll also tell you about a lot about people's overall state of health. Um, and uh, like an, an interesting exercise for, for, for people to do is to get a, get say a, a magazine cover where there's a good, a large facial shot of a, a celebrity politician, what have you. Uh, look at, cover one side of the face first and ask what message is the eye giving you, the, open, the, the, the visible eye, and then, then switch sides and ask is the other eye giving you the same message? Yeah. Um, because um, the, the person's own right side reveals their public persona, the, their left side reveals their private persona, and you will often see the eyes giving different messages. So it's not unusual to have somebody who's 
quite comfortable in the public eye and deeply on in their private life or in some cases or or vice versa okay so that come into the symmetry piece as well or is it purely just the eyes there no that's the eyes themselves that's the eyes themselves when you get into symmetry you're getting into diagnostics you're getting into genetic background um and you're getting into whether somebody's in whether somebody's primary focus is more on their professional life or their personal life and then the type of how they apply themselves in those areas so you're getting into Okay. other realms as well yeah right very good i'm actually tomorrow night i'm interviewing a plastic surgeon from hollywood believe it or not uh and uh, i'm going to be asking him questions about self-esteem and um i don't know what else i'd be allowed to ask him but uh mm-hmm. the the area of plastic surgery then and how it alters it i know you mentioned touched that on cosmetic surgery in, in the book that has an impact i'd imagine of course yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and um it depends on whether i'm meeting people on an individual basis because i see i do see people as individuals i, I do have like individual clients etc um but um if it depends on whether you can get a photo of the before and the after or whether you're just looking at the after but um it's it's usually pretty apparent where somebody has had work done and where they've had the work done will tell you about what areas they've looked to influence and yes, it will relate to self-esteem, self-confidence, self-awareness, how people want to portray themselves to the world. Um, in face-reading terms, we'd refer to it as an external manifest- manifestation of a desire for internal change. So whatever the change is, it reflects it reflects something that's going on internally. Mm, very good. Or not going on internally, as the case as may the be. As the case may be, for, for sure. Um, coming up on well we're doing well on time so just a couple of other quick ones and maybe i'll get you to give me a, a quick read and I, i'm open uh-huh. you know I'm, I'm i'm excited and nervous at the same time here um in the in the, in the spirit of one percent better and trying to give you know a listener uh, or a viewer some tips you know what scenarios are easy you mentioned they're looking at the pictures in a magazine and kind of practicing if they go and buy your book how, how can they kind of get better quite quickly or make small changes on how they read somebody to help them understand them a little bit better is there any easy introduction tips yeah i guess the first thing is the the first thing is to focus on one area um so go and go and observe noses for example or go and observe eye well we mentioned eyes so the eyes are the most important thing really but go and observe different eyes and just ask yourself what's what message are these eyes giving me just allow the information to come, not, not look for specific things. But as I touched on earlier, allow the information to come to present itself to you and look at different, different sets of eyes, different shapes of eyes, um, not so much colors of eyes, but definitely, definitely eyes that are angled differently, eyes that are, eyes that are more narrowed, eyes that are more open. Um, and just, I mean, just, uh, just a couple of specific tips there. When you see somebody with big round open eyes, um, these are people who are more feeling type, more heart on sleeve. So when you're dealing with them, being honest is really important mm-hmm. and showing that you actually respect their view, whatever, whatever the topic is, mm-hmm. but showing that you're actually paying attention and that you actually demonstrate caring. Mm-hmm. Really, really important. And certainly if you're in sales, you need to be very upfront with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if the eyes are naturally narrowed, like um, Mr. Trump, for example, a classic example, mm. um, where there's no visual impairment, then these are people who are clinically 
observing the world and they meet you and they're clinically assessing you to determine whether you're of benefit to them or not. Right. And then there are all sorts of other variations in between. But they're just a couple of practical things to, to notice. But really pay attention to what message the eyes are giving you. Are the eyes warm or are they cold, first of all? Mm. I would imagine this is very useful in, uh, in, in, in folks who might be on dating sites and uh, <laughs> swiping on Tinder and things like that, that they can you know, use some of the, the knowledge in your book to kind of profile this person, see is it somebody I would go right or left with. Has that been something you've been uh, asked for help on? informally yes there's a particular friend of mine who was on the single scene for a time and uh he was using he was using tinder and any 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 prospect any woman who looked interesting yeah he would show me her photo and i'd say maybe no possibly right. or whatever now he's uh he's he's perfectly happy now but uh there was a period there where yes I was, uh, yeah, my skills were called into action. Yeah. Very good, very good. Uh, technology coming into to benefit uh, there. Um, just one other one, I suppose, this might, maybe I won't ask this question to last for you, kind of give me a bit of a, 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 a run through because I might be giving mm -hmm. away some stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But maybe lastly around meditation, again, something I interview numerous people on and how important it is and when you talk about giving yourself that little gap or the, the you know the victor frankel the, yep. the the stimulus and response so that you have a a second or two not to just go into the judgment yep. what 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 practices do you use to keep your um yourself in that space what meditation or mindfulness practices do you do okay i don't follow any particular tradition at this stage right. um what i do find is i uh, when I sit, I sit in, I sit in the, I sit in Seiza position, which is, I, I, I was never into yoga, right. but I was, I, but my, I guess the, the, when I did, if you like formal meditation sessions, um, it was very much from a Japanese Zen perspective. So you're sitting in the Seiza position rather than Lotus or semi-Lotus. Okay. So that's with, that's with your, you know, that's with your, 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 your knees out, you know, sort of almost like in a V shape and your, your feet behind you. Um, and I, so sitting like that is very comfortable for me. Um, and then I usually, what I usually do is obviously focus on the breath, but I'll usually put on some kind of music, which is, which doesn't change where there's no up tempo, down tempo. It's just on a, it's just on a, on a level. Right. So that it's not influencing me emotionally, okay. but it's not, but it's not, um, it's not, um, but it's, it's, but it's, it, but it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's 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 kind of blanking out the the external sounds of whatever might be going on. It's like a white uh, noise type thing. A white, kind of a, yeah, white noise is exactly the, exactly the term. Right. Although sometimes, and, and, uh, having said that, sometimes I will use all the the daily noises mm. as part of the tapestry of sound and just just allow them to be there. So um, it's probably not a it's probably a very um, unspecific no. answer. But really, okay. the first the, the main thing for me is sitting in Seiza, breathing, making sure my body is relaxed in it. Um, and allowing allowing myself to focus on the breath, hmm. simple as really. Very yep. good. And and when you're when you're seeing a face for the first time, and you've obviously well practiced at it now, I would imagine there's like a tidal wave of information coming at you when mm -hmm. when the when you do take that. How do you manage to kind of process that then, or to block some of? of I don't really have to think. Yeah, I don't have automatic. to think about that anymore because okay. it's really what's the, what's the most important thing. Um, I don't get swamped by it. I, okay. as I say, I, I bring myself into that space of, um, 
calm, quiet, detached. And I just look, what's, what's the most important thing here, first mm-hmm. of all? And I'll start with that. Okay. And I'll then allow, allow the rest to unfold. So it's what, what, what's, what's speaking to me most loudly first. Okay, very good. Brilliant. I'll, I'll ask one or two at the end, but maybe just if you want to give a quick reading now, uh, you probably can tell I'm very tired at the moment. That's probably straightforward mm-hmm. enough, but uh, mm-hmm. that's just uh, the newborn is helping me there. Oh, indeed, um, indeed, yes. Go for it. Whatever, whatever comes up, let me know. And uh, this isn't live, so we can always edit out or anything too <laughs> too dangerous afterwards. All right. Well, when I'm doing when I'm doing an individual session, I'm, it's never about putting people on the spot. It's never about making anybody feel uncomfortable. Sure. Certainly not. That's certainly not the intention. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always with the intention of helping people to identify maybe their strengths more clearly, maybe identify areas that they're putting themselves under pressure unnecessarily mm-hmm. and hopefully help them feel at least somewhat better about themselves than before we started. Okay. So there's a few, there's a few immediate things there. Um, number one, you've got strong perfectionist tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like to get things right. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're, you, you also have, you also have strong imagination. You have a good analytical mind, but you're not, you're not, you're not somebody who adheres rigidly to systems. Mm-hmm. You like to you like to take a take maybe an established system or an established bit of knowledge and explore it and see where you might go. Um, you 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 definitely have that absolute need in you to explore things creatively and mm-hmm. to see yeah if I did it with if I did it this way what would happen or if I did it that way um, and to not to just accept what you've been given mm-hmm. as as the status quo or the fact the fact it's it's always been done this way so this is the way we're always going to do it because that will not work for you mm-hmm. so you will delve into things deeply and you will you you will look to get things right mm-hmm. um now that's both a strength and a weakness and the chinese perspective is that there are no absolute strengths and no absolute weaknesses everything contains the seeds of its opposite mm-hmm. so um the desire perfection for perfection and getting it right is very healthy but when things aren't quite coming together, you can put yourself under stress mm-hmm. to, oh, I should be, I should be getting it right. I should know more. I should understand it better. I should have got it together by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can lead you to procrastination and it can lead you to being indecisive or, mm-hmm. or, on, or, the, or, or it can swing the other way to being, to pushing and pushing hard to make something work, even when you know it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. So it's a, there's a hunger, there's a hunger for learning, there's a hunger for getting it right, there's a hunger for setting standards. And probably setting standards is, 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 is the healthiest way to look at it, mm-hmm. that you want, you, want things to be at, you want things to be of a high standard. Anything you present, anything you do, you want it to be of a, of a level. Mm-hmm. So rather than, rather than pushing yourself to get it right or to get it perfect, if you just look for getting it to a, a minimum an absolute minimum standard and you will know what that standard is for you mm. it'll probably serve you better yeah and then anything beyond that is a bonus right um i would answer to say definitely you know what's coming up there even in the last few years of doing this stuff the podcasting that the i learned very early on is that you know there's no perfect episode because i wouldn't have released any at this point uh yeah. so i i've always tug of war with perfection and good enough and i've got better at good enough so i think what you're saying is right but i think what strikes me as well is you know that is it like when they do a disc analysis or or there's there's Uh certain kind of innate and there's certain learned so i think the 
the ingrained pieces try to be perfect but over the last number of years i've kind of moved towards excellence or, or getting yeah. as good as i can get um exactly and letting yeah. go so so that would be that would be fair yeah um it's also evident you've done a lot of work on yourself because mm-hmm. the the self-awareness bit and self-understanding bit is really important for you mm-hmm. and there's where i'm seeing that is in the middle of your forehead there's a lovely deep horizontal line across the middle of the forehead and that shows the emphasis you've placed on developing self-awareness um, and the, the deepest part of the line is in the middle. So that tells me that more much that you've you've been you've a very independent uh, independent side to you that is determined to chart your own course rather than being overly influenced by your upbringing or by by in the, the traditions in which you were brought up. Mm. Um, so you're 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 not somebody who's going to be told, yeah. We, we again we 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 do it this way because it's the way we've always done it and you have to do it this way that mm-hmm. just will not work for you okay. that definitely won't work for you and that will yeah. apply in your personal life as well as in your as in your professional life yeah. um there's um you're also somebody who's likely to you before you before you start something you will delve into it deeply um and being being not just interested, but really deeply interested is very important to you mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, slight interest is, mm, yeah, maybe, possibly. But mm. when you grab, when you find something that really grabs you, then you're really going to, you're really going to give it full, full attention. Um, and I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this in your eyebrows, by the way, right. um, that your eyebrows, your eyebrows have a lovely thickness to them. And particularly at the, 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 the first part of the eyebrows, mm. um, that's just the, the part nearest the bridge of the nose. Okay. So the, 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 there's a, there's a lovely thickness there. So that tells me that when you're really engaged with something, then you really go for it. Um, and that would particularly apply in your, in your professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you put yourself under less pressure in your personal life than you do in your professional life. Mm. Um, you can, you can ease off. You can allow yourself to ease off much, much more, uh, much more often, much more willingly, if you like, in your personal life, mm-hmm. which is probably good for your partner. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think so. Um, no, that's fascinating. I don't want to get, you know, going to full reading. Um, just one question on the ears. I noticed in the book, you mm-hmm. said the ears depict the first 14 years of your life like i don't think if you can see my ears i'll I'll give you a a quick look (laughs) if that gives you any insight do you need a do you need a a closer up view of those ears to kind of get better at it ideally ideally yes i mean you can tell you can tell a reasonable amount from you know just a just a a small small glimpse or a partial view right um but the 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 chinese perspective is that we're we're a year old at, at birth right so the first um the first seven years for for a guy the first seven years are depicted on his left ear for a girl it's on her right ear and and um you can tell a lot about the the, the sh- from the shape of the ear from the, the the outer rim of the ear is called the the helix the inner rim is the anti-helix you can tell a lot about about not so much what has happened but how um how life events have influenced different time different periods of their life um and a lot of as we know the period of up to seven years first seven years are very formative in terms of how we're likely to be later in life so there's a lot that can be there's a lot that can be told there from from the years like that yeah okay and 
one thing I was when I was reading through the face chapter, I was trying to say which type of face I have. I, I wrote down triangle or rectangle. Which one would I kind of fall myself under? Yeah, you're you're be, you'd be you'd be slightly more rectangular. Okay. Slightly more rectangular, but there's yeah. an element of oval too. Right. Um. But you're and most of us, most of us will have a combination. Okay. Uh, of of two or possibly even three shapes, but you'd be a combination of oval and rectangular, and the the rectangular is traditionally associated with leadership that we 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 expect people with that face shape to have leadership qualities the oval is more associated with diplomacy so um that that tells me that you have a nice blend and i don't say nice things by the way or for the for the sake of sure, it okay. um that tells me that you have a nice blend of being able to um being able to impart your knowledge and being being able to instruct people but to be able to do it with a uh, do it with with a degree of empathy so you're not you're not forcing yourself or you're forcing your your information or your views on them you're doing it in a way that's compatible or looking to do it in a way that's compatible with how they take on information and how they're likely to respond mm. no very very fascinating stuff uh, I, I i'm really enjoying hearing through, through that a typical session you would do at one to one with a person would that be like an hour long 40 minutes or typically how typically an hour okay. typically an hour yeah you'd, you'd go into a lot of detail um, oh yeah very good so maybe just before we wrap up I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of give a shout out on that when i was reading through your book you're planning other books there's other stuff on the horizon as well is there somewhere <laughs> somewhere on the horizon yeah um there's ideas around there but they're they're not settled yet but there's a lot of information yeah okay very good so there's a series coming so so get yeah. the first one out and let the, the mm -hmm. snowball effect i think probably the first one is probably always the hardest to, to get going if you were not doing what you're doing, is there any other what other role would would you see yourself doing if it couldn't be this? Oh gosh, if if I had a if I had a dream job, mm. I would probably look to be I would probably like to be um, a wilderness guide and tracker. Oh, cool! Because yeah. I do I see I see what I do as kind of you know I I, I loved watching westerns growing up. And the, the 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 trackers were always the people who fascinated me, the people who could look, you know, get down on the ground and read sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've read I've read books about by and about people who do who do tracking, um, in in various wilderness outdoor skills type things. And um, I won't be doing it, mm. but if I were to start again and I had that option, it's certainly something that would attract me. Mm. Either that or being a jazz guitarist. And I don't play guitar, so. <laughs> very, very good. I'd love to be a pianist and I don't play the piano either. So um, yeah. it's good to have those dreams. Um, Indeed. Joseph, this has been has been really enjoyable. Uh, and I genuinely mean that. I hope you can read that from my face. I'm not pretending to, <laughs> to put that on. I wouldn't get far in this game if I was do, pretending. But um, maybe give a shout out how folks can get in touch. I know we touched on it, but give yourself uh, another plug there. And hopefully folks can get the, the book, which if I don't already have on the site, on the book page, I will be adding it. So Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Okay. The website is ClearSight Communications. That's clear ClearSight. Uh, that's uh, clearsightcommunications.com it's mm -hmm. all one word um, you can reach me by, uh, by joseph at clearsightcommunications.com um, you can find me on LinkedIn I'm quite active there generally mm -hmm. um, you can find me on Facebook but I, it's more, I use that more as a personal page yeah. um, and if people want to phone me the number is 087 246 1853
Perfect. And if half the listeners to this podcast are in the US, so I would say just put on, uh, I'll put the prefix in the show notes for folks if they do want to ring from other Excellent. countries. Um, and uh, it'd be great to hear from you if anyone picks it up because, you know, I think this is a really interesting story, but the very fact we could do a reading over Skype, you know, yep. shows the, the value of it. And I'm not just saying that you, you nailed pretty much all the stuff there uh, it, it, it's true so so really enjoyed it last one if you could recommend a book other than your own that somebody mm-hmm. might like to read at some point what what one comes up if, if, if you put you on okay the if it's on if it's on the topic of face reading then i'd probably go with amazing face reading it's by a man called mac fulfer that's m-a-c-f-u-l-f-e-r um he's a tech excuse me he's a texan he's a former lawyer who, um, who was introduced to face reading and became so fascinated. We started doing it at country fairs and became so fascinated with it and so in demand that his law practice effectively went by the side. So he's now working very much in the areas like jury selection, working in the corporate world. Okay. So his book is very practical. Um, it's it's rather, mine has colored, colored images. His is black and white drawings, but very, very accessible okay. and very readable and very usable. Okay. Very good, and I'll add or maybe add that one as well. But I would recommend yours certainly before for that one. Um, Joseph, we we leave it there. It's been a really enjoyable. I'm glad we got to do this uh, at last, and um, looking forward pleasure, to Rob. looking forward to sharing the full audio podcast. And I'll probably put out a good portion of the uh, the video piece as well, so folks can hear the reading, see the reading as well. Well, looking forward to looking forward to listening back and learning learning something as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll take some notes on the way back. So, Joseph, look, thanks so much. Have a great uh, Monday, and um, looking Thank forward you, to Rob. staying in touch. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, how did you find it? A good show, hopefully. Do take a second or two to let me know, and before you do, dive off. Just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, the 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site. Go to the podcast page. There's a link for 864 there. Or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a one-minute Monday video clip which is also a tip to hopefully make you one percent better check that out it's on the website on the video page did you also know that only about one percent of listeners to podcasts not just my own but all leave a rating leave a review get in touch or give feedback and i would love if we could book that trend and put it to two percent for this one so please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and Hopefully you're 
getting 1% better as a result of these shows. Take care and good luck.